Merry Christmas, y'all. Let's stand together and worship.
right, hey, before you sit down, just as a reminder, if there is an empty seat on the inside, would you please scoot that way, and then you can have a seat. Thank you to the three of you who will do that. I really appreciate it. It helps us out a ton. Hey, welcome to our Christmas Eve service. We're very excited to get to worship together uh, from youngest to oldest, all to be in the same room as we come to gather and celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus. I don't have many things to share with you. The biggest reminder is that next week uh, for New Year's Eve, we will be right back in here. Same thing, all together. Um, not till January will we resume our children's classes and that type of stuff. So next week, come back in, uh, same service times. We'd love to have you join us. Uh, my friend Danny Sullivan will be teaching, uh, just really highlighting some things from the last year and what God has done in his heart as we kind of recap and close out the year together. We'll have a couple baptisms, so we want to invite you to join us for that. If you're from out of town, uh, here visiting family, uh, we're glad that you're here to worship uh, this week uh, with us as well. So we don't take that for granted, and we love gathering together as families. Hey, parents, one quick note. You're the only one who's nervous about your child making noise in this service, okay? <laughs> we're good with it. Um, in fact, when, you, when we hit a maybe silent point of the service or a song and you hear kids screaming, let that be a moment of worship as we think about that silent night that we'll sing about that probably wasn't fully silent and there was a baby, a very important baby making noise and lots of things happening. And so we welcome the opportunity to be able to worship together um, and are glad that you're here to do that with us. Hopefully, kids, you got a glow stick. On your way in, uh, when we sing Silent Night near the end of the service, we'll crack them and hold them up high together. If you're like my kids, they're already cracked, and that's totally fine. Uh, we're still going to be able to worship together with that. But uh, if you will, go ahead and stand with me. I want to pray as we continue together this morning. Oh, Lord Jesus, we love you, and you're so good, and we are so grateful that you would come to earth to be one of us in order to save us, to become like us, that we might... Uh, not just know about you, but know you and witness God in flesh. So we're gathered to celebrate that this morning with grateful hearts. Um, God, we come to you. We lift praise in your name. I pray that you would meet us in that, that you would be here with us uh, this morning. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Sing these words together this morning. O come, all ye faithful.
You can have a seat. I'm reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Curius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house of the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. Sweet hymns 
And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger.
can have a seat. And gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Is there anything more amazing than that? That the God of the universe, he actually comes to us, but as one of us and as a baby. The wealthiest did not come as a rich man. The wisest did not come as the wisest. The strongest did not come as the strong. No, he came as a baby. It, that's mind expanding, heart enlarging, all at the same time. I think that wonder is actually what makes Christmas so wonderful. Our family on two occasions has experienced the, the wonderful news of the wonder of a new baby. On two different Christmases, uh, the picture on the left is our grandson, born in 2012. The picture on the right is our granddaughter, born in 2018. Both of them born on the same day at Christmas week, yes. Sibling rivalry happens on their birthday. But you know, when you look at those uh, pictures, uh, what do you see? Kids, what do you see in those pictures? What grabs you first? A baby, yep. And what do you see on the parent's face? Smiles. Yeah, you see joy. You know what I see? I see love. You see, no one can tell those parents uh, to not love that child. They cannot help but love and fall in love at the very moment of that child's advent. In fact, if that's parental love on a human level, how much more God's fatherly love at a divine level? God, in this picture, you see right smack in the middle, beaming with love. In fact, this is the picture captured the moment, the very moment of the first nativity, or illustrated. You go with which one you want. Kids, you maybe have seen this in the Jesus Storybook Bible. What do you see right in the middle of that picture? A baby. You know what I see? I still see love. The Heavenly Father is beaming in love at His one and only Son, but at the very same time, the Heavenly Father is actually beaming, meaning aiming, his love 
on his soon-to-be adopted children, on you and me. That's why Jesus came. He was born out of the Father's love for the rescue of lost and rebellious children. And because God is love, he cannot help but love his children too. In fact, Christmas is the perfect picture of the perfect fathers, perfect love for imperfect people. In fact, the definition of love that I think I like best, the definition of God's love, at least, comes from the Jesus Storybook Bible. Sally Lloyd-Jones said that God's love is a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Adults, how's that line hit you? I hope it hits you with a weight. And if you see it as a child's storybook definition of love, oh, drop back and drink it in because it is steeped in Bible. It is rich in theology. This describes the weight of God's love for us, both in Old Testament and New Testament. The Old Testament has a Hebrew word, has said, describing that kind of love. The New Testament has a Greek word, agape, describing that kind of love. It describes a steadfast love, a pursuing love, a patient love, a faithful love, a really stubborn love. And it's God's love for his people throughout the story of the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, over 400 times, this kind of love is described for us not based on how well we're performing, but based on who he is and how he loves, a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always, forever kind of love. The great scientist Robert Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer said the best way to send information is to wrap it in a person. God agrees. The best way to send his information of love, wrap it in a person. That's what 1 John 4, 9 tells us. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world. Why? That we might live through him. You see, without this candle of love that Jana lit for us before we sang, Oh, Holy Night, there would be no other candles on the Advent table. Without this candle of God's love, there would be no candle of hope. And without hope, There is no peace. And without peace, I'm sorry, there is no real joy in life. It all stems from the fact that God has this overflowing love for us. And what is this love like? Well, we already said it. It's never stopping. And that's what Psalm 103 tells us. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. How abounding? Well, higher than high heavens, broader than east meets west. That's the size of God's love. It's too big for us to stop. It's abounding for us. The psalmist continues in 103 by telling us it's a never giving up love. As a father who has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. God could have said from everlasting is his love. But he wanted to make sure that we understood it was never going to stop and never going to give up. It's everlasting to everlasting. That means that you cannot wear out the love of God for you. You cannot 
wear God down. He never tires of you. You will never have a moment in this coming year where you struggle with the same repetitive sin where God says, "Ah, I'm just tired of this. No, he leans into us. At our moment of greatest weakness, he comes through like a strong savior, everlasting to everlasting. And I know it's tempting to look at that Psalm in 103 and say, yeah, but that's an everlasting love to those who, who fear him, who respect him, who are in awe of him. What about at times when I'm rebellious, when I willfully sin, when I turn my face against him? Psalm 89 comes in and tells us, even in the light of our worst sin, verse 33 says, to those who sin, I will not take my love from him, nor will I ever betray my faithfulness. In other words, you cannot make God stop loving you. His love is stronger than your actions. His love is stronger than your inaction. His love is stronger than your largest affection for him and your weakest apathy for him. His love is unbreaking. Nothing you can do this Christmas will make him love you more or love you less. And it just continues. Lamentations 3 describes it as an always and forever kind of love. Because the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. That means it's always. They are new every morning, which means it's forever. All the way into eternity, a fresh supply of God's love is there for us each and every day. It is a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always, forever love of the Father. And it's all poured out on us because of the Son. So again, what do you see in the nativity scene? Yes, one of our kids just said it. Love and a baby. Oh, no, no. Love through a baby. The love of God poured out for us. Titus says it this way. When the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Don't you notice that saviors get busy saving? And he did so by living the life we could not live, a perfect and sinless life, and then dying the death we deserve to die, paying for our sin, and then rising from the grave, conquering death. The greatest struggle you have this Christmas and next Christmas will be a struggle against sin and death. We need a savior who will deal with both of those. And on a cross, he cleanses sin. And in an empty tomb, he conquers death. Yes, when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. And Christmas, church, that is the gospel in one sentence on the screen. The wonder of this wonderful news is exactly why we light the candle that sits in the middle. We started with a candle of hope. The next week in Advent, we moved to a candle of peace. Then we moved to a candle of joy. Today, a candle of love was lit. All of that made possible because we light the Christ candle at the center. 
you stand? Now we celebrate. Come on, sing it out. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let her receive her key. Let every heart prepare him and 
Christmas. I hope tomorrow is a sweet celebration, a sweet celebration of receiving the Father's love, passing that on to those around you. 
If we can pray with you, if we can pray for you, every Sunday we gather, our prayer team is always right up here. And Tim and Judy would love to greet you right in front of the baptistry and lift up a need that you might have. Our connections team, for those who are wondering how to plug in, is available to serve you in the booth right across the foyer there. We'd love to greet you and do that. Hey, next week, don't forget, we are worshiping as one all-church family from our youngest to our oldest at our regular times next week. So we'd love to see you at that next week. Second Thessalonians 3, this is our benediction. So simple from the scriptures. May the Lord Jesus Christ direct your hearts into the love of the Father. We love you, fellowship. See you next week.